2018, the Canadian government will begin to allow the sale of cannabis for recreational use. Now, in the 1960s, cannabis began to become a part of the mainstream psyche, carried along by the Beatles, psych rock, a sexual revolution, and civil rights. It's taken nearly 60 years to get to this point. And for many of us, we're reaping the benefits of the work of the activists and politicians and everyday people who have been advocates for cannabis during this time. Today, we'll speak with a father and entrepreneur, as well as a longtime cannabis activist who has worked to bring seniors late in life some relief through his work. This is Cannabis for the Ages. Hey, Ken, thanks for uh, joining me today. So uh, I'm curious to know, what's your relationship with cannabis like these days? And moreover, how has cannabis changed for you in the past 30 to 40 years? We'll make that 50. Okay, 50 years, yeah. Good. Actually, I think it's maybe 51 or two. But um, look, so, you know, I used to have to uh, meet some guy who someone else would introduce me to who I barely knew and uh, was unreliable, and we'd have to meet somewhere in the city and, uh, you know, have an exchange, and I never knew what I was getting. Uh, but, you know, that was the model, and that's how you procured for uh, decades, really, very much under the table, underground. A few years ago, I got a medical prescription, and actually, I do have legitimate ailments that, that would qualify. And so, you know, that makes getting it easier, I guess. I find the medical version very expensive. Uh, you know, there's a bit of a disconnect between what I read in the paper and what I'm being charged by my producer. So I'm not happy <laughs> yeah. about that. But, uh, yeah. you know, I do, I do get it from the medical producer, and I'm also uh, added in uh, oil which you can just put under your tongue. You don't smoke it or anything. What what motivated the change to oil or rather the addition of oil in your, your, your cannabis regimen? Well, you know, I've been trying lots of different uh, methods of ingesting. I buy edibles and uh, the medical marijuana company uh, had an alternate uh, method, be, that being the oil, and I said, I'll try it. It's not cheap, but uh, it makes traveling easy. So I, I take it when I travel. You know, I mean, it's a whole new ball game. Hmm. So what does cannabis actually provide for your life? Uh, you know, is it something you use to uh, relax and kick back and spend time with your family? Does it help you motivate creative ideas? Uh, really, what do you use cannabis for in your life? Well, it's a good question. So uh, it just generally relaxes me. Uh, I'm able to function Normally, even though I, I rarely uh, have any uh, marijuana during the day, uh, certainly if I'm working, but I, I've found that the oil uh, has a very different effect than smoking. Very different. Smoking, I, I can't, not sure I can really explain it. I mean, it's it's a high that I've been enjoying for for decades. But the oil, if you get the right dosage. Uh, the oil just gives me an overall feeling of well-being. I use a sativa oil. Uh, they also have a uh, indica oil, but the sativa oil at uh, I guess one half milliliter, because uh, it comes with a dropper measure dropper. It just I, I function totally normally. 
but I get this feeling of overall well-being, which I, I actually prefer. Yeah, I also still like the uh, the the activity of smoking a joint. You know, I kind of save that till uh, after dinner kind of thing. And if I'm going to do something during the day, uh, it'll be a couple of drops of oil. Well, the the younger generation seems to have no problem with uh, sort of boldly consuming and discussing cannabis. Um, and I would gather that uh, for someone who's not there yet and uh, is discussing cannabis uh, openly and consuming cannabis openly, that the oil does provide uh, a bit more discretion. So that is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, it, it, uh, it, it's a good thing. Yeah. But I still wouldn't, uh, even in today's world, walk down the street with a joint. And why is that? You know, maybe it's past prohibition and uh, it's still not technically legal. You know, it's just my cultural uh, indoctrination to that is, you know, pot is something that you have to uh, be very discreet and private about. And in public, you know, just not a good thing. Also, I'm not sure how, uh, you know, in my business, how people might react. So I generally keep it to myself. Do you share uh, your cannabis use with any of your contemporaries? And if so, what are those conversations typically like? Uh, well, in, in general, their reaction is, uh, oh, can I have some? <laughs> <laughs> That's well, the general reaction. You know, the people I share it with, I'm pretty pretty comfortable that they are either imbibers or, you know, they're fine with somebody they know doing it. And uh, you know, in all honesty, I find a lot of people my age are more used to it. Is that right? Yeah, because, uh, you know, we grew up in the 60s and everybody mm. was smoking pot back then. Now, a number of people don't do it anymore, but they certainly understand the mentality that I've been doing it all my life, basically. You know, I, I don't find too many people of my own age group. I have a few friends who don't know, uh, not many, uh, but in general, you know, they're used to pot, the people in my age group because we grew up with it. So to pivot to a question that's more health related uh, and the folks in your age group, uh, do you have any health related issues that you tend to use cannabis to, to treat? Is there anything that, uh, that sticks out for you? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I have some uh, nerve damage in my leg from a back issue, some numbness and some pain. I also have uh, shoulder pain. Uh, and I, uh, up until recently, had a lot of knee pain as well, but I just had a knee replacement. Many congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That uh, was in October of last year, and uh, that pain is completely gone. But I still have the residual, uh, as I said, of the nerve damage from the back problem I had and the, and the shoulder. And, uh, you know, I guess if nothing else, it just takes my mind off the pain. Well, you know... You did grow up in the 60s, and so I'm sure what I'm about to say uh, isn't too foreign to you, uh, being part of the, the the beat and hippie generation. But I think that, you know, in mindfulness practices and in Eastern practices that um, they talk a lot about pain and suffering just being a part of the human experience. And I think similarly, cannabis uh, kind of allows you to... Uh, step away from the pain and not to say that it completely removes it, but, um, you know, it gives you the ability to sort of take your mind off of the pain and, and therefore giving you relief. That's been my experience. Although, mm -hmm. uh, certainly, uh, I've heard stories of people using topical creams or rubs or oils that, uh, provide great relief. Mm. So. 
so what's uh, what's your hope for cannabis moving into the future? Uh, recreational legalization is upon us. What are you hoping for? So, you know, I think we're in a transition period. But I think the normalization of cannabis use is something that is going to happen. It may take a few years of, you know, being legal. And, uh, you know, look, I, I think it's, uh, it's certainly society is better uh, with people taking cannabis than alcohol. Um, you know, you, you don't see people fighting, getting belligerent, all of that. So, I, you know, I think the normalization of the consumption and use is a good thing. I think the potential for uh, abuse is there, of course, like there is with alcohol. But I, I think it should be treated in much the same way. Adult use, uh, you know, I definitely agree that younger, younger brains uh, might not be fully formed and might be impacted. Although, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, uh, I'm a poster boy. <laughs> you know, I've led, led a very successful, productive life. And uh, throughout my entire, you know, history, I've been using it. Thanks for joining me, Jerry. Uh, I'm curious to know what your relationship with cannabis is like these days. Well, uh, you know, I, I track what's happening in cannabis in around the world in Canada and the U.S. fairly closely. So I have been for quite some time as I've moved, been moving out of my previous activism, which was for legalization on the medical and, and, and I, I don't like to say recreational, I like to say wellness, but for the legalization or the, the, the end of prohibition, I've been trying to figure out what I'd like to do with myself, you know, moving forward, that education and particularly education of first time, uh, first time seniors or consumers would be a good place to target Amazing. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today and share some of your knowledge. And, you know, education really has become uh, the focal point for not only Tokyo Smoke, but uh, for a lot of folks in the cannabis space. And, you know, you're trying to educate and uh, explain the benefits of cannabis for people uh, across a wide spectrum, you know, from millennials to seniors. Uh, and really, I'm curious to know, obviously, uh, how your relationship with cannabis has changed, but how do you think it's changed over the years for people of your generation? My relationship with cannabis goes back uh, over four decades, but my activism with cannabis uh, probably started about 20, 25 years ago when it became pretty clear to me that there were substantial wellness benefits that could be derived through responsible cannabis consumption and that there seemed to be very little acknowledgement of this and there seemed to be very little interest on the part of healthcare professionals in trying to pursue this and understand it. 
And for the life of me, I couldn't figure out why uh, anyone would be opposed to exploring, at least, the value of cannabis. So for the last 25 years, I've uh, worked with medical professionals, healthcare people, a lot of private citizens, trying to promote uh, the responsible understanding of cannabis and the responsible use of it. I have helped doctors uh, prepare presentations. I've given lectures on the subject. Uh, I've done a lot of one-on work. I've introduced a lot of people to cannabis and on my own done, I would say, a substantial amount of research. As an activist, my interest was less money and more about getting the good word out. Well, what motivated that for you? Uh, Was it that cannabis was so redeeming to you that you felt the need to spread this gospel far and wide. What was the motivation to get into this work for you? Well, you know, Jamal, that's a a good and it's an interesting question. Uh, Certainly, uh, I have to tell you that at age 66, my health is very good. <laughs> As a matter of fact, the most my doctor tells me that she's a little annoyed with me because by my age I'm supposed to be on some medication by now and I'm not. Uh really uh my biggest problem that I actually had uh, down through the years in convincing people about the value of medical cannabis is I've never been a medical cannabis patient. Frankly, I, I didn't require it because I've been pretty healthy. And I attribute a good portion of my health because certainly it hasn't become, been because of all the healthy food I eat or all the exercise I do or, you know, all the macrobiotic ways that I live. I've, I've lived just like a relatively ordinary, you know, middle class sort of life. But my health has been very good. So that was one data point in, in my own case, particularly as I saw myself aging and I saw a lot of aches and pains that other people had that I just didn't seem to be suffering from. But I think more to the point, really, if you're asking me about my motivation, is I believe that a grave injustice has been uh, perpetrated on Canadian citizens. And this grave injustice is that there was a substance that has been available that the medical community is known about, that uh, the research community is known about, that even the government is known about, that has been actively and deliberately withheld from us so that loved ones, family members, people that we know and care about have suffered needlessly, have perhaps been denied uh, therapies that would be beneficial all in the name of reefer madness and the stigma associated with it. And I won't even get onto the criminal side because I'm I'm sure you've had more than enough rants about all the damage it's done to young Canadians and and to citizens of Canada through incarceration and and criminal records, et cetera, et cetera. This is just Mm -hmm. wrong, and that was really, I'd say, the the primary part of my motivation. Mm. Well... Personally, I have uh, seen some of the uh, damage that cannabis criminalization has wrought. Um, And I'm curious to know, and this may be a a weighted question, of course, difficult for one individual to answer. But what do you think that we can do to remedy some of this, some of this damage? Millions of Canadians have been using cannabis for decades and decades. This is not something new that's been going on. And millions of people in my generation and Generation X and any generation you want to admit have been incarcerated, do have criminal records, have suffered the consequences, as you clearly and properly state, uh, of being uh, having a criminal record for something which is a personal decision and has been proven 
over and over again to be significantly less harmful than just about any other substance you can name. Second, I think there has to be an acknowledgement that from the very beginning, there was never one damn good reason for making cannabis prohibited. If you go back and you examine the history, the reason that cannabis was prohibited was uh, based on racism, was based on ethno-nationalism. So uh, to begin with, I, I, be I believe that the entire set of laws, the entire set of laws governing the criminalization of cannabis were immoral. And if it was up to me, they should have just been struck right off the book in, in one fell swoop. It never belonged there. In terms of what I think that should be done, I believe that anyone uh, who ha has been incarcerated or had a criminal record for anything to do with cannabis should immediately be let out of jail and have their criminal record stricken. And anyone who's ever had a criminal conviction or even been in court or been arrested for cannabis should have all those records purged and, and be told, and, and if possible, even have an apology from the government. Anything less than that, I think, is just uh, perpetuating the immoral injustice that has come about through prohibition. Well, that's a very in-depth and profound uh, answer. So thank you for sharing that. Um, speaking to your generation, I was curious to know if you speak to people in their 60s, your contemporaries about cannabis and, and even more so people in their 70s and 80s and beyond. Uh, do you have conversations about cannabis uh, with, with folks in those age groups as well? For me, I have never felt any particular stigma uh, associated with, you know, my involvement with, with cannabis. Uh, that having been said, it's quite interesting. My mother-in-law, who unfortunately just passed away a little while ago, started off as a pretty anti-cannabis person. I'd say that would be about maybe 10, 12 years ago. And I slowly worked with her over time to kind of win her over to the point where she was actually almost like a, a, a champion in the nursing home residence where she lived. And she would tell seniors, uh, uh, you know, the, her, her, her contemporaries, she would tell them why they should be trying it, whether it was for anxiety or insomnia or appetite control or, you know, chronic pain. Many of them are reluctant, of course, to get started. Uh, but with enough encouragement, particularly when they can get references from people they know and trust. And I think that's critical. Unfortunately, for someone who is 22 uh, to be telling their grandparents, hey, here's a doobie, you know, why don't you take a haul and see what it's like? It's the wrong approach. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. You yeah. have to uh, give them in a language they understand, from a person that they trust, in a manner that's non-threatening, and most importantly, a way to try and guarantee that their first few experiences will be safe, pleasurable, and enjoyable for people who have never had any cannabis in their body at all, for people who have never had a surplus of cannabinoids going on in their body. You take too much the first time, and your experience may not be pleasant. And then people say, it's not for me, I don't want it, and they walk away. I would like everyone, when they have their first experience, worst case, they feel nothing at all, best case, they feel a little good. Uh, I don't want anyone to have negative experiences. And the way to do that is by making sure that they appreciate how to get started. And, and I think seniors, seniors are a great 
demographic, because if there's any group that could uh, have their wellness improved by the use of cannabis and any group who are going to say, hey, I'm 80 years old, what do I got to lose? And particularly when they hear that they may be able to get off some of their other medications and get off some of their opioids and have a better quality of life, why wouldn't they want to try? Yeah. Well, more personally, Jerry, I'm curious to know what cannabis does for you, sort of mentally, spiritually. Uh, what places does it take you to when you when you do ingest? I recently read Steve D'Angelo's uh, book on the Cannabis Manifesto, which significantly kind of changed my view towards cannabis. Um, Steve doesn't talk about recreational and medical. He talks about wellness and abuse. And I like those two categories. The wellness benefits of cannabis are both physical, cognitive, and probably your correct spiritual. Um, down through the last 40 years, I have to say it's pretty rare for me to meet a habitual cannabis consumer that I don't like. They're laid back, they're mellow, they're rational, you can talk to them. You know, people who are habitual cannabis users have a tendency to uh, be a little bit more, in my opinion, sociable, a little bit more talkative, and a little bit more willing to tolerate a variety of perspectives, to be mm. able to see things from different points of view. And why do you think that is? Well, you know, that that is a really good question and one that probably is worthy of a great deal of research. Um, you know, uh, uh, someone who talks about that a fair bit is Dr. Robert Melamede, you know, who's talking about forward-looking and backward-looking people and how the use of uh, cannabinoids in the brain, because they allow us to calm down, because they allow us to get more sensory input because they have a time dilation effect to stretch out a moment so that you can be in the moment a little more substantially, perhaps it makes us more receptive to the variety of stimulus and input that is around us. And that includes other people. And so when you are with people who are in the same sort of laid back, open sensory sort of perspective towards the world, Perhaps it becomes easier to dialogue. Perhaps it becomes easier to see things from different perspectives. Uh, cannabis uh, sparks creativity and imagination in a lot of people. Uh, for myself, uh, I come up with some of my best ideas uh, uh, under the influence. I, I tend to have to flesh them out after I'm sober again, but the ideas themselves, that that firing of synapses and neurons that allow you to put things together in a novel and new and different way, I think is one of the great values that cannabis brings to the table. And you find many great musicians, artists, uh, uh, writers, who will tell you how some of their greatest ideas came while under the influence of cannabis. I also find, uh, in many cases, cannabis uh, allows me to focus a lot more intensely on whatever it is I'm trying to consider, whether it's a piece of music, whether it's something I'm writing, whether it's just observing nature around me, I get less distracted and more in the moment to what I'm doing. And that, that makes me feel connected to the world around me. Again, 
I think uh, the way a lot of uh, people who use cannabis sometimes tend to be, they they do tend to live in the moment quite well. I think uh, we should not also underplay the overall relaxation that responsible cannabis consumption is often associated with it, with the mild euphoria that comes along with it. So if you're feeling a lot of stress, if you've had a difficult day, if uh, things are getting just a bit too much, a little bit of cannabis can calm you down, can allow you to reevaluate, to allow you to readjust, and to perhaps recognize that whatever you're holding on to in terms of stress, you can let go of successfully without having to carry it with you. And I think there is so much research that is still required, even given all the research we've done, to explore the actual uh, modes of operation of, of the endocannabinoids in our body and how different cannabinoid profiles combined with terpene profiles um, have different effects, again, depending on one's own body chemistry. And taking a look at uh, uh, different dosing levels and why they affect people in different ways at different times, these are all areas that need uh, a whole lot of research. It's just really too terribly bad that because of prohibition, uh, the only research that's been done is research into the negative consequences of cannabis, most of which have proven to be false. False. 